Well, welcome everybody. This is Mims Society Podcast. I'm your host, John Mims. You're listening right here on anchor.fm slash John Mims. And again, thank you. This is New Year's Eve, if you will. Right down here in good old Houston, Texas, the H. We have so many good things that's upon us here. We have the NFL playoffs that's coming up. We also have some basketball games that we've seen here and there. But uh, I want to give a special shout out to a young lady that has her own podcast right here on Anchor. Uh, that is uh, Key. Uh, and she has her key conversations right here on Anchor. Check her out. She has some really, really good conversations and topics. With that being said, we got to move along right here. I would like to thank everyone in advance for tuning in and to listen to Mem Society Podcast. You have so many different uh, platforms out there. You have so many different choices out there, but you chose mine. I really do appreciate that. Uh, this segment here is going to be entitled Mr. Lee Uncut, part number two. We broke it down in segments for you last time on on the season two, episode one, which was just only a few days ago. But today's format will be a little bit different. I want to welcome Mr. Lee here in this good old studio that we call the New Temple of Mem Serenity, <laughs> right here in the Southwest. Thank you, Mr. Lee, for allowing us to step into your domain yet again uh, with some questions and, and and things that you can share with us on this New Year's Eve night. Welcome, Mr. Lee. What's good, everybody? What's good? <laughs> yeah. Well, for starters, you know, as, as you told me um, before the show got started, that, that you have uh, two other siblings. Yeah, my brothers are twins. Oh, okay. It's just kind of odd growing up in the house. Well, I'll just tell y'all a little secret about the country. I come from a little country town where there are four different sets of twins in one family, and that's the core group. And just about everyone has a set of twins, so to speak, outside that group. And my brothers happen to be one of that set of twins. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And I know you mentioned um, to me before we went on air that you know you come from a, a single, uh, yeah, single parent single home. home. You know that single parent home where you know your daddy, but you know, hey. You still single, you know. There's no help. Right, yeah. I can, I can never, I can never can relate and understand that. You know, what what was the relationship at home with your mother, being that she was a, a, a single mom trying to raise three black teenagers, black kids in in, in a country, a small country town. What was that like coming up? Well, I don't know what most people think it was like. My mom was, and I was, okay, so 
this is uncut, so I'm just gonna let y'all have it. My mama already stated up front that this was a one bitch rule. Either you get on board or you get your ass stomped out. Either way, you gonna do what the fuck was said here. <laughs> and I quote her, cause I am the bitch that pays the boss. The, uh, I am the bitch that pays the cost to be the boss in this house. So I am the bitch that turned the locks here. So if when I say jump, you better tell me how motherfucking high. Wow. Do you understand? It sounds like she kept a pretty, pretty strict house. Oh, my mom, she, oh, look, she ain't play with nobody. And did nobody play with her children. I know that. Period. Didn't, no, didn't nobody play with her children. She, like, like I'm trying to tell you, lose your life, mess with BC children. And that's what we would call. Man, y'all didn't leave BC kids alone. Because they knew how my mama was. My mama had a little reputation in the projects. She was four foot eleven. Little tomboy, she didn't care. Um, it was all about her kids, and she did what she had to do. She was a brick mason. Then she got her electrician license. Then she got her little horticulture stuff. It's always about the hustle. My mom, she's not the woman that try and tell you what to do. It's the thing is, can you be proud of your hustle? Because this is how you make money, and this is how you're going to be perceived. These are not my choices. My choices are to know that while you're in my household, that I'm woman enough to know that you are somebody father, somebody brother, somebody mentor. And this is what I'm raising in my house. I'm not raising somebody little man. Because there is no man in my household unless you can some fucking bills. And that's what it was in our household. Okay. So basically, it was it, it was no such thing as back talk like we got going on today. Back talk, who? I got tea, <laughs> so you know that didn't go on, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because um, in today's society, with with the children that are growing up. Oh, now, see, let me tell you something. Let's yeah. just today's society, because you know I got kids, and so I'll say this. Um, I was in college, and we did a paper on this generation called we were generation X. We weren't supposed to be able to support our parents, mm -hmm. but we are holding up society at the moment. Unknown generation X. Yeah. Okay, so now here it goes. Since we are the unknown folk and they have so much to say, this is what was said. We were spoiled. And since we were spoiled, we said we were gonna make it easier for our kids. And when we did that, we broke the uh, chain. Because you got to have some kind of struggle to have some kind of respect. Because if you give somebody everything, they don't respect nothing. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. I know you, um, like, like how tough was it? Uh, I know tough love is, is, is very, okay. very, you, very, very you underrated. You say tough love. Uh -huh. Okay. Tough love was to this example and to this extent in my family. Uh, my mom had two kids that, that were healthy, normal, nothing wrong with them, and she had a child with sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. And she refused to allow me to, uh, to use my illness as a crutch. So whatever my brothers had to go through, I had to go through too because there weren't going to be no exceptions when I got drunk. And she made me know that. So, through school, reading, 
she put us in programs where we didn't have a choice but to have an education. She kept us in upper bound. She kept us in after school programs. And then when there weren't no after school programs, she had it to the extent where we had to read an hour a day every day. Okay. Yeah, see, people don't know nothing about that nowadays Mm -hmm. because we have so much internet and so much, uh, like, social media. There was no such thing as that back then. But I know um, I I have young siblings who have kids. Not saying it's a bad thing, to, to, to let a, a child have a tablet that them learn because a lot of kids learn differently nowadays mm-hmm. versus back then. What what was the relationship like between you and your other siblings that y'all, that y'all showed? Oh, man, look, it was always me against them. Uh, I ain't gonna say me against them. It was me and mama against them. Cause they always had each other, so they was always booed up. So it was always me and mama against them. Okay. You know, my mom, she, you know, I ain't gonna say she, you know, I can say she was very harsh because there were rules in our house where other people around us felt like her rules were very harsh for this because I don't want to say we lived in a project. That was just our situation. Yeah. We had an apartment to live in. We just didn't live in the project. I'm not gonna I'm just I'm not gonna justify by giving it that kind of power saying that, oh, we lived in the project because people don't understand when you say project, you need to look a little bit deeper than just what that word is. That word means that that when you say a project, that means somebody was taking notes. They understand how you work. They They understand the things that you do. These people are taking notes. This is public housing. Public, that means public knowledge. That means everything you do outside your home is public knowledge. And they are watching. They are taking notes. And so if you glorify the project, that means you glorify them taking notes on us and taking those notes and what? Demeaning us. So I stayed in an apartment complex. It happened to be dangerous. So to keep us out the street, my mama put things, put um, rules in place to keep her children safe. But all she would at the end of the day, she said, I don't care what you have to do, just get home. And we can talk about it later. That was her thing. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're gonna get your ass beat, but you know, hey, right then and there, she just wanted her baby home safe. Yeah, that was up. <laughs> I know in the in the first uh, part we, we covered a little bit about sickle cell. Uh, I always seem to say, okay, well, that's when I say me against them. When I say me and my mom against my brothers. Okay, well, those that know about sickle cell anemia, um, I would say this: we are talking about. I grew up in the seventies. And all this here good, good medication you say is out here and stuff like that, that won't hear me. So, me and my mama had to get on a bus twice a week and ride three hours away to another hospital to receive treatment. And she still had to raise two other kids and maintain a job. So, it made me, it made her give me tough love and not being able to um, not have a grudge or a crutch because this is the only life I have. So if you're going to be mad, then that means you're going to miss out on the opportunity that you have, which is life. So she never allowed me to be mad about my illness. She just allowed me to say that um, this illness makes me one of God's soldiers because see, this is a battle 
that um, he only speak, he only pick certain people for. And so as long as I have that mentality, I don't care if I hurt all day, every day for the next 50 years, I understand that every day I was called to arms and I'm here. Okay. You see what I'm saying? There is no in-between behind that. You still standing there. Yeah, see, see, that, see, the, the, the <coughs> man, he called it out. He said I was still standing there, bro. Because there was plenty of days that I was just laying. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. I, I, there's a better, the air is fresher up here. Yeah. I know that's right. I know that's right. So, um, were there times ever that you know, did you ever feel like, like giving up? I mean, the things that you went through. I mean, everybody has days that they feel like giving up. But when you grew up in, uh, well, a multi-religion household <laughs> or family, um, you don't really have those type of opportunities to give up because I don't care which side of religion you take the slice of pie off of. Um, regardless of the fact, hope was made into that type of pie. Okay. And I don't care which side I was sitting on on that side of the table, that pie tasted the same because it was made with hope. And as long as I have that, I, you know, they made sure I can move forward. Okay. That sounds pretty, pretty good. And I can't wait till we get to chapter three. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just the point that my family like, I'm in a small town and I got a big illness in a small town that don't nobody know nothing about, but the people inside my household or my immediate family members, don't nobody else know about this, but they, everybody else have to deal with this. Yeah. Because were they you know, supportive? Huh? Were they supportive of you? Man, everybody thought I was faking because y'all keep y'all fail to realize we're talking about the mindset of people in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So if you want that manly man or that boy boy to get dirt and fall down and rough and tough, then you were a little weak kid. Yeah. Okay, now he putting on. Why he sissy acting and all this other stuff like this right here? But you fighting for your life. But you fighting to tell people that was ignorant to the fact. So my mama just made it to the point where it was it was me against the world. So she was, you know, we did everything that we could to fight the world without telling the world what was going on. And we moved forward. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, we're gonna take a quick little pause, real quick, a little break here in the action. When we come back, we're gonna have some some NBA. NFL talk. We're gonna ask Mr. Lee uh, what his thoughts are about some of these sports shenanigans going on. Woo wee! So y'all keep it locked right here. There's some M Society podcast right here on Anchor.fm/slash John Mills. We'll be right back. Well, thank you for coming back. This is Mem Society Podcast right here at anchor.fm slash John Mims. We are back here yet again with Mr. Lee. We just wrapped up uh, his uh, two-parter that we just did, Mr. Lee Uncut, part two. Keep it locked right here for up-and-coming part three. 
in the coming days and weeks to come. Right now, we're going to discuss a little bit of what's going on. Now, we got the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. And we got a, a couple of brackets here that we can look at the AFC and NFC. Uh, we're going to start over here, Mr. Lee, first in the AFC. We have Buffalo at Houston Texans. Who do you foresee winning that game? Well, I'm going to say this right here. I mean, well, Buffalo, Houston, I live here. I love y'all, but y'all going to have to step y'all game up <laughs> if y'all going to break through that defense right there. And we're going to move on because now y'all going to try and make me uh, pick a side. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm going to be somewhat not so partially biased. I'm going to go for the Texans. I want the Texans to win. That's what I'm saying, but I, um, I know who they up against. And if they can't yeah. get together, that defense is not going to allow them to score like that. Yeah, Buffalo is a very tough team. I didn't realize uh, how tough they are until I seen a couple of Game. You see what I'm saying? They're not playing. Like, for real, for real. I mean, I'm not going to say they're the best team in the world, but my thing is, it's hard to rush on them. Yeah. You you can't run in on If you feel like that's what you're going to do, you better rethink the game because they're not going to have it. All right. After that, we have we have Pittsburgh Steelers at Kansas City Chiefs. That's Ooh. A, that's oh, a tough I'm going to say this right here. At Kansas City? Mm-hmm. Okay, one thing about Kansas City, it's loud. Oh, yeah. Kansas. It's loud in there, so that's my thing right there. They fans, see, they see. it's not only you playing the team, you got to play them fans, too, because they, they loud. That that stadium is loud. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, outside that, you know, it's that's going to be a tit-for-tat game. Because they're not going to let up. Right. Uh, that game, uh, I think it's going to come down. Uh, I mean, well, right now, Pittsburgh, they kind of limped into the playoffs. Uh, and then we have seen Kansas City have an up and down year. I mean, they, you know, they still have a have a, have a decent team, I think. But, um, you know, the, all the marbles are going to be on, on the table. And then in the in the upper bracket, um, of course, Baltimore they have a bye, and and the thing is, um, the Patriots they have to see the Titans in the first round. This will be the first time in, in, in over a decade that the Patriots have to play a wild card game. Oh. That hasn't happened for a while. Well, every dog has his day in the sun. Absolutely right. And so, with with that being said, um, uh, they 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 probably can handle Tennessee, uh, but but the Titans have, have a very tough team too. They beat us. I know. mean, I mean, we deal with the Titans. I, you know, they're they're way of doing things on that team. I'm not going to say it's a defense or the offense, but their way of doing things on that team is out of the norm for most people. Because when you feel like, oh, they should run the ball, okay, they done did something, you know, they done did a wishbone. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck did y'all do this for? 
but you know it may it got them some results and that's just the type of team that they are that you know you can't put them in a category so to speak yeah okay and then on the let's see well we know that uh we know that dallas cowboys you know like they did not make it well let me tell you something <laughs> they they gonna do something baby they better come up off they rah rah real quick because don't nobody own that I, I i was reading that that um that they was thinking about firing their head coach and I understand that, but still, at the end of the day, they got to come up off that run rock because don't nobody own nothing. If they're not going to go out there and perform it, baby, you can talk about it all day. Mm-hmm. It's still not happening. Absolutely right. You're absolutely correct. Because they thought they were going to run up in there on them boys and feel like they were going to walk across them boys and boys who took them their little panties off and handed them right back to them. Mm. Sure, they here go. You take them dirty panties back. <laughs> They did them just like that. I mean, like, hey, I'm not trying to knock them, but it should be. I know what the score is just like you did. <laughs> so, yeah, so on the AFC, I'm sorry, on, on the NFC side, you have Philadelphia. They will be squaring off, looks like, against Seattle, if my prediction is correct. That's going to be a very tough game, too. That, Like I said, that's going to be another tit-for-tat game because mm-hmm. the both those teams were relentless now. And yeah, so I, I think I think Philadelphia, I think they they might I'm, actually. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not. That's not a game that I'm gonna put some money on. Yeah. That's gonna be number one. It's gonna be a highly contact game. And number two, if they can't get that ball in the air, it's just gonna be a slow scoring game because they're gonna be back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. Absolutely. So I think at the end of the day, some of these games might be shootouts, and and some of them are going to be probably uh, probably going to come to, down to a defensive effort, and some may even come down like my dad calls it, comes down to the special teams. Well, yeah, game. So, so that's another thing that you kind of have to look out for too. Uh, in another bracket, I believe we have Minnesota taking on New Orleans Saints. Uh, Maybe Minnesota better have their good draws on. They come down <laughs> to them damn stinks now. Mm-hmm. They coming off a raw rock, so they gonna try and keep the momentum, uh, momentum moving. Yeah, so they can have them some mimosas the next morning. That's right. Cause I'm trying to tell you, Saint uh, Saint Louis trying to come through here and stomp a mud hole in them boys. They're not playing now. They trying to get to the Super Bowl. They're not playing. Yeah. And then you have your two top seeds in the NFC. You have San Francisco, who surprised a lot of teams this year with with their unbelievable record, and Green Bay, whereas though it looked like they were sputtering, but but they have won their division. So those are the two top teams we got. Well, um, see, that, that, see, that's when you say either that's going to be an airborne game or it's going to be a tit for tat game. Yeah. And what else can you really say about that? Yeah, um, it, it's kind of hard to predict. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. That's that's why I'm leaving. You know, that's yeah. why, like I say, I give my comment. I'm leave that alone because a game like that with these two types of teams, okay, they bring an ego to the table up front, and then now you're looking at how if they can actually get away, both of them can put it in the air. Mm-hmm. 
So now it's gonna come down to how how well you gonna defend your uh, how well your defense works now. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm trying to tell you, both of them got an ear game. Right. Now it's it's funny that you know how we um, like I said we talk about the NFL playoffs, but a lot of um, you know a lot of Houstonians out here are are just getting into basketball. Uh, I guess kind of getting it going, watching, seeing what the Rockets are doing. Uh, they have lost, I believe, two maybe out of three out of the three last games. Now, uh, Harden and Westbrook have had some good games, but at the end of the day, I think the last game I saw them when they it's, played. It's coming down to yeah. um, Westbrook is the beard, right? No, no, uh, no, Westbrook is the other dude. He's uh, uh, see, I can't they call him Brody. I ain't talking about him. <laughs> Yeah, Westbrook just got, he just came there because his homeboy asked him. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. Okay, what's his homeboy name? Oh, James Harden. Okay, Mr. Harden, Mr. Beard. That's yeah. his name. See, I just didn't know his name. I know who he is. But my thing is, they're putting him in the same category, and I don't mean no harm. Mm -hmm. And they some good players on this team. But if I'm gonna speak about it, let's go ahead and tell the damn truth now. He cannot be put in the same category as LeBron. And LeBron couldn't carry a whole team. And this man can't carry a team. So I need them bench warmers to get up off their ass <laughs> and move the hell around and let's play. Yeah. I mean, because it ain't, I can't say nothing bad about the people on the team because they can play. Mm -hmm. Like, but damn, this man cannot play every position on this motherfucking court. And then when you lose, you got something fucking to say. Well, and but that's what you know, you know, that's where I say um, I'm a peon and they don't pay me to think like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shoot me. That's cool. Well, hopefully the Rockets are, will, will, I guess by this time, they can look at some more tape, some film. I don't even know who that next opponent is, but they, but they better come on with it before the trade deadline. Because yeah. once January and February rolls around, you're looking at the trade deadline, you're looking at the all-star uh, break, where they do a lot of their trades before then. Um, but we need, to, we need to get somebody, I think, uh, like right now we're missing Eric Gordon, and he's a very, very important piece to the puzzle. Uh, I think the other night when he came back. And just like when you mentioned yeah. his name, mm -hmm. he is, just like I said, it is not going to be a team effort. It's going to be an idle performance. Yeah. Because the simple fact is one person can't win a game when it's supposed to be the team playing on the court. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Yeah, other bullshit they can keep talking to tomorrow. Sure. <laughs> well, with that being said, we're going we're gonna to switch gears here. I'm going to leave everyone here. This is my uh, my Liam side note part of the of Mem Society podcast. Uh, I usually like to share a little bit of something, a little bit of something that uh, that I have you know you thinking, a little food for thought, uh, and it is called uh, faith building memories. And you try to have some some great memories from past time that you know you can build on. You know that's pretty much my take on that. But uh, great is your faithfulness. It's, it's one of the side notes I'm gonna share with you. 
And um, as we look ahead to the new year, let's remember that God has always been and always will be faithful. With that being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in tonight for the Men's Society Podcast. I'm your host, John Mims. I want to thank Mr. Lee for joining us yet again, for sharing with us some of his things that he went through in his past. I want to thank all the listeners, old and new, for stopping in. Happy New Year, everyone, and hopefully I continue to tune in the next time. I have a, a brand new podcast for you. Y'all have a good night.